0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you please stand with me? Man, I feel Jesus in the place. From the fellowship in the foyer, to the worship, to the greeting, and now the Word, amen. Let's read a little bit of scripture together here as we jump in Proverbs 16 and 3. We're talking today about joy in the journey. How many of you guys would say two, two, or two, 2020 has been a year of the journey? Yeah. Absolutely. See, I can't even say it. That's how confusing it got me. Bad. It's been a journey for sure. But we've had joy in it. I'm sure you can look back on days and say, God, I never want another one of these in my entire life. But then we can look back on some of them and been like, oh, baby, I could take two or three more of those, right? But there's joy in the journey, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Proverbs 16 and 3, it says, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. He's sovereign, amen, he's got it in control. Let's pray, Father, our hearts are bowed to you. We will love you, and we worship you in this place, God. Thank you for your sweet, sweet presence. Oh, let our hearts be open to what you want to say through your word. In your name we pray, Amen. Amen. Wave at your neighbor as you sit down. Friendly place. If you're watching us by online or some sort of device, thank you so much for being a part of this. We love you guys and we are glad that you are watching. I'm so glad we got to add virtual seats, right? Yes, got a bunch of people joining us from different places and we are certainly grateful for you and I am grateful to see you guys this morning. This last Christmas for my wife and myself and, of course, Callie, and it's a wonderful time for us. My wife's birthday is on the 23rd of December. My birthday is on the 24th of December. And then, of course, we have Christmas on the 25th. So what does that mean? That means Christmas. That means December's expensive. That's what that means. Okay? It means it's expensive, but that's okay. We got to plan a birthday party for my wife. And I'm telling you, it was wonderful. Uh, she decided that she wanted to throw axes for her birthday. But we couldn't go up to the city. We didn't want to go up there and get into, involved in all that stuff. So I thought, baby, this I can handle. This I want to be a part of. I'll bring the axes to you. So I had to find some clever ways of convincing her that I needed to go over to my mother-in-law's house because we were throwing them in her backyard. My wife said, I would like to shoot guns and throw axes. Well, this is wonderful. We have a bunch of pumpkins left over from, um, uh, yeah, from October. (laughs) This is going to be fun, you know? I'm like, I'm digging this. This is going to be my birthday party, your birthday party. I know we're calling it yours, but I'm going to have a lot of fun too, you know? But what was some of the most fun in that whole process was the journey to get to the day. The destination was fun that day. We went out there, and we threw axes, and of course, it takes you 20 throws to even get one. And then when you get one, you're like, yeah! You feel like Rambo, you know, or the guy off the Patriot, Mel Gibson, right? and you finally get one, and you throw one of those tomahawks in there. But really, one of the, some of the most fun was all the preparation and planning. Coming up with the crafty ideas, I have to go to your mother-in-law's house, or I have to go to my mother-in-law's house for this or for that. I have to do this. Well, why'd you buy all this extra lumber? Well, I've got some ideas for it, and some different things like that. And I think she had a little bit of suspicion, but not very much. But really, the fun was in the journey. And sometimes we can be so focused on the destination that we miss the joy in the journey. And God doesn't want us to do that. It's in the joy and the journey. It's those hiccups. It's those rough spots in which we really develop. It's some of those times where we see like, God, I just feel stagnant. Man, I'm reading and I'm praying and I'm seeking your face and I'm crying out for people. I'm I'm investing financially in your kingdom and emotionally and spiritually, but it just doesn't seem like very much is happening. But it's in those times when our roots are growing deeper and deeper and deeper, because we're learning not to just feel our way through it. Because when it feels good, it feels good, right baby? Oh yeah, and when it feels bad, it feels bad. <laughs> but when we can't feel, and we say, God, I'm gonna trust you, and I'm gonna walk in that, and that's really what that word commit there means. It means to wallow in, it means to, that I would smell like and look like your word. I'm gonna commit, when people look at me, when, when you look at me through spiritual eyes, you see the commitment, to following Christ the commitment to allowing him to establish the plans because whenever our hearts are pointed towards him really our goals and our strategies it's really about building the kingdom and and building our families in a way that would honor God and this morning we're going to talk a little bit about King Asa out of 2nd Chronicles. King Asa inherited a kingdom from his father and really the line of kings before him had not done such a great job. There was some disturbances in the land, some civil war in the kingdom, in the different parts of the kingdom. And then he was trying to tear down some things and, and try to reestablish that God is the center focus of who we are and what we do. Now, if there's anything I've learned from 2020, I learned that whenever you have a pandemic, when you have some of the things that we face, they bring a lot of things to the surface that you maybe not know that you had to deal with. One of the toughest points for me is whenever I was sick and I had to be isolated for seven days. Now, I was upstairs in my room and I had my own bathroom and access to all of that and and, and my wife and daughter were downstairs and literally they would come and knock on the door drop the food and go back downstairs (laughs) and they were just but I found out I am not an isolationist anybody know that show alone wouldn't make it a day or two I don't care if there's two million on the line probably not going to do it but I found out one of the things that surfaced for me is I am a people person I like to be around my people and fellowship and visit and I'm sure many of you guys have felt many other things during this time period that you've been faced with some things that, man, I thought I didn't have that in my life or I thought I didn't struggle with that or I didn't, didn't know that. So as we look back on 2020, there's some things that we can gain to prepare us for 2021. Because God really does want us to be successful. And as we talk about goals today, as we talk about the journey, as we talk about preparing ourselves, that 2021 would be a much greater year than 2020. Not forgetting what God has done for us and the blessings in 2020, despite everything that's gone around. But God, I am believing for more. Stronger me. Not to be selfish, but God, I want to be a better kingdom representative. I want my family to know you more and be strong. I want the church to be bigger and stronger. I want it to influence the community more. I want people from the north and the south and the east and the west that would come in and proclaim that Jesus Christ is their savior. Yeah, Yeah, baby. And that kind of stuff makes you pound on your chest and raise your voice a little bit, and I need to calm down. Because that's what we're here for, building the kingdom, expanding it making our capacities grow bigger, but that doesn't just happen. One of the thoughts that I had is, many times we look at people's success, and I know that I did as a young man, not, not really understanding everything, coming from a particular mindset, and I would look at somebody's success, I would, I would look at maybe a nice car that they had or a nice house, and I, I would assume that they compromised something to get there, when really I didn't realize that there were steps, there was a process, Many of them didn't just arrive one day and be like, I'm here. Now that's what I see. But that's not what obviously happened. There was plans. There was goals. There was things that we have to attain to be where God wants us to be. It was the hard work and the dedication and the sacrifice. And you guys know this. Two o'clock in the morning when nobody else is around and you have a rumbling in your spirit about God dealing with you on some things that you've gotta get straight. Maybe maybe your family is in a little bit of turmoil and you're saying, God, I know that you're still God and you can change it. Maybe God's preparing you for something and you get up in the wee hours of the morning. You stay up past midnight and on your knees crying out to God or pacing your house saying, God, I still know you who you are. I'm gonna go back to your word and I'm gonna study and I'm gonna read and I'm gonna complain. Uh, not complain, we don't wanna complain. I wanna proclaim, proclaim. told you 2020 was a rough year man I'm still I tell you this morning just a side note this morning we cleaned out our coffee pots with vinegar here and uh so I made coffee for everybody this morning what I didn't know is all of it tasted like vinegar (laughs) I was like way to cap out 2020 baby take a cup of coffee that'll wake you up hey 2020 man but that's okay because I'm not going to let it stop me from having a great 21 it's not going to happen I know I don't understand everything. I know I don't grasp everything. But I know that God is still sovereign. Hard work, dedication, sacrifice, those things that we don't see all the time. Those are the things that make us. Many times it's that preparation for that moment of your delivery, of your craft, whatever it is. People's like, man, they make it look easy. Well, that's because there's been a lot of preparation that you haven't seen. Our, Our stove went out at my house. And about a month ago or so, I decided that we needed to get a new stove because the element or something was out. I don't know that much about stoves. I just know it didn't work and we needed a new one. Well, we bought the new one and it wouldn't slide in the hole. So I have what I say is some sort of granite countertop and I think to myself, I can cut it myself. Yeah, that's the same reaction my dad gave me. (laughs) I called dad, I said, hey man, I think I can do this. He goes, you know, Matt... (laughs) He goes, "Uh, I probably wouldn't do that if I were you saying how you've never done that before in your life. I'm like, well, it looks easy. I even bought my own blade at Orsland for it. I mean, I'm pretty smart. I call Jack Bishop, one of the local guys here, goes to our church, and I say, Jack, what do you think? He goes, Matt, the easiest way to do that is let somebody who knows what they're doing to do it. (laughs) What were they both saying to me? The same thing that I'm here saying to you guys. There's so much preparation that they had that I didn't see. Jack shows up, an hour later he's done, has the thing cut, nothing's broke. Could you imagine me breaking my granite and looking at Mary and being like, sorry. (laughs) Hey, we got a stove in there though, you know. (laughs) But now it's beveled, (laughs) you know. It rolls like the ocean. (laughs) But why did he make it look so easy? Because he had that preparation that I've never seen. He was able to come in here and he knew the tools. Matter of fact, the, the blade that I found didn't even work. He said, dude, that's the wrong blade. Could you imagine me in there carving on that sucker with the wrong blade, a four-inch grinder? Almost got it, baby! jeez, <laughs> oh, geez, it was much, much less work. But it's that preparation that we see, and we're having, a, we're having a good time, but it's really that preparation that nobody sees. And there's nothing that we have to compromise because we have a God that, that hears us when we speak to him. We have a God that cares really about our success. Now, if there's nothing wrong with having success. What we don't want is success to have us. My life is not based off of pure success on whatever that definition that I create, but it's about kingdom success. It's about eternal progress. Things when I stand before the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and when you stand before him, and he says, well done, now good and faithful servant, that there's some things behind me that we've accomplished. I've accomplished by myself. I've accomplished together, but nonetheless, it's all with Christ's help. And as we plan for 2020, it doesn't have to be an ordinary year. i love preaching on the 29th of December or whenever this Sunday falls. Because it's a new year, a new beginning. It's, it's an opportunity to say, God, I look back and there's some things I want to change. So first of all, why is it important to have the vision, to have the goals for our family, for our career, for our personal life? And what we see is as we build ourselves, we really build our career, we really build our family, we really build our church and our community. It's not a selfish stance, it's just saying, God, I want to be the best worshiper that I can be. I want to be what you've called me for, the best kingdom representative that I can possibly be. So we see here, and we're going to talk about Asa a little bit this morning. Chapter 14, a second Chronicles. The first thing that I want to talk about is why. Why is it so important to have these goals? And as I was reading through the story of, of Asa and his kingdom, it really taught me some stuff, and I would like to share three things with you that helped me as I planned my 2021 year of why it's important to have these goals. The first thing as I was reading his story, I found out that Asa tore down some stuff when he became king. The kings before him didn't really watch out for who was worshiping what, and even to the point of a porch, which was on the outside of the temple or the synagogue. They had built some shrines and some imagery that wasn't adoring God. Matter of fact, it was of a different kind of worship, and he goes in there, and he tears down things like that. He, he reconstructs places that do not worship God. He tears down altars of foreign gods and sacred pillars. We might call them the sacred cows or the traditions. He removed high places and incense altars, this incense that was burning to gods that didn't exist or that weren't real. And this was the thing about Asa, is he did it his entire career. He did it the first 10 years of peace that he had. Then he had a skirmish in which he won. And then it continues to say that he continued to tear out these houses of worship that were not centered on God. He had a passion. And the first thing that I learned is this coming year, right now God speaks to me, he's gonna speak to me and he's gonna speak to us about tearing some stuff down in our lives. Things that would keep us from exact worship for our Lord. Things that would hold us back at arm's length from Jesus Christ. Some things that we need to tear down. Some obstacles that we need to get rid of. Paul puts it like this. These things in our life that so easily besets us. We need to tear them down and and take them off and say, God, what, what idol have I made? What am I worshiping that's not you? Is there some way that I could worship you better? Let me tear it down and get it out of the way. And goals and challenges in our life helps us do that. Because it puts us, in a place where we say we've gotta chase this thing down with passion and intensity. I was thinking of the beautiful picture that Pastor painted last week of the wise men. How, how the star was up there and they kept their focal point on their star. Their goal, their challenge was we've gotta make it to the star. And if we'll do that and say God, I wanna put that goal up there, that thing that you've spoken into my heart, and just like the wise men, now they didn't worship the star, so we can't worship the goal. They worship the baby in the manger. So I still worship Jesus, but God, I've got to look at that goal. What do I need to tear down to get out to get that, to that goal? I think of kids in, in track who tries to run hurdles who do not need to be running hurdles. I don't know if any of you guys ever seen any videos or been at a track meet where that's happened. It is very comical, okay? I feel sorry for them as they skin their knees on the track, but it is very, very funny, okay they're in an all-out sprint they never make it over the hurdle and man they just they wipe it down some kids they're just so big and mean they just run over every hurdle till they get to the finish line and I think that's what we've got to do God what do I got to knock down get out of the way tear down so I can get to that goal that you've spoken to my heart and here Asa was like listen we're going to come back to where we worship God that was his vision that was his goal for his piece of the pie in Second Corinthians, it says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not, uh, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strong hearts, divine power to destroy strong holds." So I can tear down some things in my life that maybe have a hold of me. I can tear down some things in my life that I don't see how I can do it but through Jesus Christ to have access to that divine power and say, God, we're going to tear this thing down and we're going to move on to what you told us to move on to. The next thing that it says in chapter 14 is that he built. He had cities that he fortified. He built walls. He built towers. He built gates. He put bars around the community, not that you drink in, but for protection, just clarification. He had an army of 3,000 men with shields, And spears, he added another 280,000 men that knew how to do bows and shields. And if you read just a chapter before, he only had a 400,000 man army, his dad did. So you can tell that he had added some. And what was he doing? He was building. He said, listen, these cities are amazing and what we're gonna do is we're gonna build the walls stronger. We're gonna make sure that there's some buildings that we need. We're gonna build our armies. And that's what we can do in our life. We can say, God, as much as I'm tearing down, what can I build? Or, and you notice what he said, he said, we're gonna make the walls stronger. We're gonna fortify the cities. So God, what do I need to add to my life? See, you wonderful, you guys have already got some structure started in your life, and God's saying, man, that's a wonderful foundation. Let's just add to it. Let's sure up some things and make some things stronger so that you can be better than we were in 2020. But we have to ask God, God, what do I need to build? I've talked about some stuff that I need to tear down, God, but what, what's some wonderful things that I need to build? See, there's, there's some doors in our life that we need to close, but there's some wonderful doors in our life that we get to open. And we can't think negatively and say, oh, I've got to tear down this, I've got to close this, I've got to do that. That is part of it, but God, I get to open this door and see what you're going to do to me. God, I'm gonna fortify my city and I'm gonna build some protection around my family so I can begin to see them become stronger and we can make it through this year and not only make it through this year, but as they say, not only survive, but thrive. The third thing that I see that he did was he had success. He had physical success. You can see that he added towns and he fortified them and he built them. He built up his army. He, He was obviously some point emotionally stable i mean he, he kind of comes across as what you see is what you get we if we rooted out thousands of worship that didn't honor god today we're going to do it tomorrow and the next day and then of course we see financially later on because of the plunder that he was able to gather but but there's there's something in there that he talks about that you can't measure with finances it says that the kingdom had rest and prospered because he tore down some things and got his focus right, because he built some things that would help him keep that focus, he was able to walk in a prosperity that we can't count with money. The kingdom had rest. Imagine how great that would be. How many of us maybe need some rest after 2020? Yeah, we thought March was hard, then April came along and that was, (laughs) then May came along. Then everything was supposed to change in June and July, and that didn't really happen. But, but everything's going to change when we start school again. Everything did change. <laughs> and then it's this are we having a game today? For the high school kids, are we not having a game today? Are we going to do this? Are we not going to do this? What, what are we going to do? And sometimes our emotional level can go up and down. And we know that the Bible reminds us that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And whenever I take the temple, which is, is really in, in a lot of ways what King Asa was trying to do, is God, this is your ground, this is your holy ground, this is your sacred, you've given this to me and I want to take care of it. So God, as far as my temple, what do I need to take down? What do I need to tear down? What can I build? God, and I want to walk in the success. As the weeping prophet Jeremiah said, his plans or for hope and a future. His plans for us are for a hope and a future. Now we know that Asa was not a perfect man and he did things wrong. He was a human like everybody else. But the scripture does say that he did right in the sight of the Lord. There was peace in his kingdom. And it even says that he built and prospered. So I was thinking, God, how do I organize my thoughts? How do I plan for what you're going to do in 2021 I, I, I don't want to start in January or February or March I, I want to be prepared for the year now I, I know this side of it God that I, I, I know I need to tear down some stuff I know I need to build some stuff and then I know I need to walk in the success that you've given me like I've seen in the Bible but can you help me identify a strategy for that and I would like to take you to a little skirmish it's his first battle there was 10 years of peace in the kingdom whenever Asa took over. And then finally, there was an Ethiopian army that wanted to come and fight Asa and his kingdom. As I was reading that, I was thinking, how true is that in our life? We find a little bit of success, we find some prosperity, we find some good things happening, and the enemy can't wait to take it all away from us. The enemy can't wait to knock it out from underneath our legs. And here this army, they saw that the kingdom was growing. Now the Ethiopian army was kind of a nomadic type army where they were known to show up and raid and take all your possessions. So here we have Asa, it's his first battle. He's not a warring king necessarily, he's more of a building and maintaining and and honoring God type situation. And in chapter 14, let's read verse 11 together. So Asa is on the horse. He sees the army approaching. And he says, and it says this, And Asa cried to the Lord, his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help. Between the mighty and the weak, help us, O Lord God. For we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let no man prevail against you. That's a great prayer. But let me explain the situation here. So he's, he's, he's got 580,000 men, and then the Ethiopian army begins to approach, and they have a million. And they have 300 chariots. So you can imagine Asa sitting here and seeing the 100, first 100,000, the second 100,000. Okay, we can do this. We get up to 600,000. Oh, we're getting outnumbered seven, eight, and they just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And then as if that weren't enough, he looks off in the distance or wherever and he sees the 300 chariots, which were a sign of power, a sign of wealth. The chariots were made where one to two horses drug them. They were low to the ground so the warriors could get off and fight real quick. There would have been somebody in the back of the chariot that would have been skilled at the spear or the sword or something like that than usually a driver. And you can just imagine the sheer weight of two horses and two men that were mighty men that were valiant warriors. As that chariot's coming down the hill, you can imagine how you just wipe out a stream of men on foot. So they had a lot to be nervous and scared about and you guys have been there a problem you face rises up on the hill and you're like god there is no way (laughs) and then about the time you think it's over another one comes then something's heaped on top of that and then something heaps on top of that and you guys have been there and i love aces prayer because it it teaches me something it teaches me that i must ask what, 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 God, what goals do you, you want me to plan? It's not that mine aren't good, but yours are perfect. So, so what, what are you speaking into my mind? What are you speaking into my heart? What are, are you trying to reveal that I need to change and that I need to do and that I need to gain? See, I, I want to hear your voice. And there's joy in that asking. Why is there joy in that? Because we get to ask a God that cares, that will speak back to us, that will reveal to us. I love Asa's prayer here. Asa cried out, Lord, He's getting personal. It's to his God. God, you're my God. And then Asa goes on. He says, there is none like you. Oh, he's, he's lavishing. You know what I mean? Oh, God, there is none like you. Did I tell you how pretty you are today, God? Mm, I just feel your spirit. I just love it, Jesus. Mm, ah, just basking in the moment, right? And then he doesn't quit there. He said, help us. So you see a little bit more of his humanity. God, there is none like you. But please Help us. <laughs> you see the million army man or the million man army coming up the hill and you see a little bit of humor and then he winds up with God I'm totally rely upon you I know I've prayed some prayers like that some, some things are approaching me that I can't handle that, that I don't know I just don't there's not a way God I just don't see how this is going to work Kind of like Asa, I'm not really a warrior king. When I'm looking at that problem, I'm like, I'm really not this kind of problem fixer, God. (laughs) And then I have to go back to that prayer and have to ask God like Asa did and say, God, get really personal. God, you're my God. And you can imagine, Ace, in this moment, God, I've tore down temples for you because I believe that you're the true God. There's some things that I've built in my community because I believe that you're the true God. So I'm not just praying to some figment of my imagination or some idol, but I'm praying to the true God. You're my God and I want you to hear me. And then he goes on and he says, he puts God in center stage. He says, listen, there is none like you, God. I put you center stage. But back, I'm about to go in this army and I put you in center stage. And then he says something that so many of us struggle with. Help me, God. You see the vulnerability. God, help me. I mean, think about this. Ace is the one that's been tearing down things and building things and restoring things. He's kind of the guy that's always been in charge. And and, and he doesn't just have ten people behind him as an audience. He has five hundred eighty thousand men looking to him. And they see him pray this prayer, say, God, help me, please. And whenever we face problems like that, we have to ask, God, help me. And then we see that final thing where he says, rely on you. What is he saying? God, you're my source. I'm gonna get personal. You're my God, there's none like you. I'm gonna completely rely upon you. And when we go in with that kind of heart, and we ask God, what kind of changes do you want me to make? What what, what should be my goals? What kind of things should I establish in my life? We know this is effective. We know that he wins this skirmish. So a couple questions. What are you asking God for? If you look back over 2020, what would you do differently? Not just to become a better person, but to have an eternal impact. Have you looked back and said, God, I really need your help. I'm crying out, I don't care how I look or who's looking. Because this is what I know, God wants us to find him. I was looking up earlier and the largest game of hide and go seek consisted of over 1400 people in China. I have no idea how long it took. But could you imagine (laughs) being the person who's it? (laughs) Man, you're there for a long time, right? And sometimes, I know 2020 particularly, but sometimes it feels like that with God. are we in a game of hide and seek? I, I thought I saw you and I did that and it didn't really work out like I thought it was going to. Am I missing you? What's going on here? But God's not doing that. God wants to be found. He wants us to find him. The next thing that I see that Asa does in this skirmish is in verses 12 and 14. Let's read this together. It says, so the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah and the Ethiopians fled and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar, and the Ethiopians fell until no one remained alive, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. The men of Judah carried away very much spoil, and they attacked all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord was upon them. Asking's not enough. What Asa did next was he acted. He put one foot in front of another and said, this is what we know to do. The Lord had cleared it out, so he began to pursue, and he, get all, he got all the towns while he was there too and went ahead and took their plunder, and he acted upon it. As we ask God, what is our lot? What are you asking me to do? What strategies do I need? What goals are you, you producing in my heart? What accomplishments do you want me to have? We can't stop there. God, help me act upon it. Help me act upon it. You're clearing the way. Let me follow you. In, in, in chapter 15 and 7, uh, uh, Asa gets a word from the Lord, from the prophet. And this is what it says. It says, but you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Why else would, what, what was his word? His word was saying, listen, be of courage. And be strong because you're going to have to work, but it will be rewarded. Whenever we act, we're going to face some things that are scary. God, I don't know what to do, and that means we're in a good spot because God gets the glory, not us. Our hands being strong, that means it's going to require strength. That means I might have to come back and do it again and do it again and do it again. i done this yesterday. It doesn't matter. We come back and we do it again. I'm tired. That's okay. We keep doing it because it's going to require strength. And then work. We could be willing to get our hands dirty, get in there and say, God, I I don't want to just ask you, but what are you telling me to change? We have to be strong and of good courage. One of the things that Asa does is he goes back and he fortifies his cities whenever he becomes king. And I was thinking about how important it was to fortify those cities. I, I was thinking about how the scripture tells us that the enemy comes in like a flood. And whenever we have those barriers that protect us against that flood, it helps from the waters getting in. And I was also thinking about how Christ is the true water, the water that I want to drink of, the water in which I will never thirst again. So so why does it compare Satan to water? Well, we know that Satan is a counterfeiter. So why would we want to go back and fortify the walls of our family? Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes into our life as the living water that refreshes us. And He'll move through every crack and every part of our life and build us back and make us strong and let us have courage and be able to conquer things that we never thought we could conquer. Satan, on the other hand, comes in and He's looking for that crack. He's looking for that broken spot that he could push his way into and push that mortar from that wall and move one brick at a time until the wall comes tumbling down. So why did Asa go back and fortify his walls? Because he had to act. Whenever God reveals to us what we need to build, what we need to tear down, we have to go tear them down and we have to get it built. It's not enough just to say that we're going to do it. So the enemy comes in and we know that he loves to destroy family and finances. The emotional battle maybe that you've been fighting through all this, it's a very real thing. And it feels like the million man army up on the hill. God, I can't do this. And just about the time you look at the army, you see 300 chariots. And you're like, I really can't do this now. And it shows our humanity and who we are. But I'm going to put one foot in front of another. I was speaking last Sunday night, or the Sunday night before, I can't remember, but I was always talking about Joseph and Mary, and I was thinking about what a powerful story. Here they have the Son of God being born in the manger. But what'd they do? They did what they knew to do. They went to the census, there was no room in the inn, so we're gonna go to the only place we can go, we're gonna have the baby, we're gonna wait the eight days of purification, we're gonna go to the temple, we're gonna honor God. And all that stuff is like, we're looking back and like, but this is the son of God. Yeah, but at the time they were doing what they knew to do. We have to act. We have to act. Well, I don't have all the answers, but that's okay. You keep doing what you're supposed to do. How do I obtain this goal? If I know I need to establish a devotion life, then I start a devotion life. What does that look like? Well, if you haven't had one, it probably doesn't look too intense at first. It will be intense to you. But you can't say, well, I'm not doing it for an hour. Hey, walls are built one brick at a time. And then as we establish that brick, we make sure the mortar is in there so there are no cracks. I was thinking about the old cellars. I'd say old. They're 60, 70 years old. If you're 60 or 70 years old, you're not old, but the cellars are. (laughs) You're experienced, right? It didn't matter how much black tar I put in them cellars that were in the ground. You know what happens? Those dudes leak. It doesn't matter. That water is going to find a crack in the cellar. That's just how it's going to be. And over time, when people wouldn't maintain them, and the ground shifts, of course, we know all that, it would move that cement, and it would eventually crack because there wasn't maintaining going on. And that's what we have to do with the goals that God speaks into our heart. We have to attain our goals, and that's where I'll end today. We have to attain our goals. We have to keep that goal up in front of us and say, God, you've spoken this into my heart, so I with everything that's within me, I'm gonna go after it. I'm not gonna back down, I'm not gonna shut up, I'm gonna confess and profess and proclaim and keep after it. See, that's the importance of making sure that when we ask, we get that word from God because God's given us this vision. Asa went forty one years of tearing down temples and saying, No, we're gonna put a church in its spot, we're gonna worship God. we're gonna go after God. We're gonna be a nation that's not caught up in wars amongst each other and all this other stuff. We're gonna put God in his rightful spot that we had to get hard day after day after day. And then on top of that, now he's gotta fight skirmishes and wars because people want what he has. But he still said, I'm gonna attain that goal. I'm gonna feel that accomplishment, the benefits from that. In verse 14, it says that they plundered all the cities and there was much plunder in them. And they struck down the tents of those who had livestock and carried away the sheep in abundance and the camels. You know what I noticed in that scripture? As they attained their goal, they didn't apologize for it. Let me encourage you today. Let me take some weight off of you. If you've got a good marriage, congratulations. Don't apologize for it. You got some great kids, don't apologize for it. You got some finances together, don't apologize for it. You're part of a great church, don't apologize for it. I believe that we have a great community, don't you? We're not gonna apologize for it. God wants us to succeed. He wants us to attain these goals and to build. And we should not be apologetic about it. Asa wasn't. But listen, as we attain our goals, let's make sure that we maintain them. Part of attaining and and getting what God has for us is saying, God, we're also gonna honor and respect that and build up. As I look through more and reading this story, of course, he surrounded the cities that he had gained and he said, we're not just gonna leave them out there by themselves, but we're gonna build walls around them and we're gonna put towers on them and we're gonna put gates. Well, we know that there were watchmen in the towers. What were they doing? In a sense, they were bringing the whole town in and saying, listen, This is ours, let's take care of it. We've attained this together. Let's take care of it, certainly what we do here at church. The kings that Asa had followed did not do that. They allowed all kinds of heathenistic type things in their kingdom, and that's the reason why their kingdoms were divided and constantly at war and all these different things that they had to go through. But how did he find peace and how did he find rest? Because when he attained that goal, he maintained it. After he had brought his plunder back, he had had taken 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep and sacrificed them to the Lord out of his abundance. What was he doing? He was saying, God, I'm gonna walk in the blessing that you gave me, but what I'm gonna do is not forget where I came from. And as we go into 2021, and we look back at 2020, God has some things that he wants to ask us. God, what, what do I need to build, but also what do I need to tear down? What, what doors do I need to open, but God, what doors do I need to shut? I, I want to walk in the blessing, but God, I want to be a blessing. I, I want to have vision for 2021, but I want to have hindsight from 2020. There's some things that I don't want to redo. And as you allow God to speak to your heart and prepare you, What he wants to do is is speak things that are unique to you and speak in your language. It's not gonna sound like somebody else's. It's not gonna possibly fit somebody else's family because it's your family. And our hearts have to be open. Would you bow with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.